and I'll be your sleep guide tonight. Let's begin by taking a deep breath. And then another. And as we breathe, we're going to begin to quiet our minds, thinking only with anticipation about the stories we're about to hear. As you breathe, relax your hands and your feet. Then move that relaxing feeling to your legs and arms. Release any tension that you have in your limbs. And lastly, let's let our torso sink deep into our mattress. Deep, deep, deep. One more deep breath and we're ready to begin. 4 a.m. fire. I live in an old apartment building. I've been here for about two years and my roommates and I have had very few scary experiences so far, except for this one that happened last summer. It was around four in the morning when we were woken from a dead sleep by the fire alarms going off throughout our entire four-story apartment building. Seeing as this place is occupied by mostly seniors, we figured someone had left a pot on the stove again. I grumbled and blindly grabbed for a blanket. Last time we had a false alarm, I was left shivering and barefoot on the sidewalk waiting for the fire department, and I wasn't about to let that happen again. My roommate and I put on our shoes, grabbed my phone and keys, and we poked our head out into the hallway. Nothing seemed off. The hallway was empty. No one else had come out of their apartments yet. Reluctantly, my roommate and I walked down the hall toward the lobby. We figured our neighbors would soon follow suit. It was only when we went through the lobby and out the front door that we realized that something was actually wrong. A handful of people who had already come out of the building were running and shouting about how the building was actually on fire this time. We followed them around to the side of the building as more and more people fled in their pajamas, and to our horror, we saw an apartment on the top floor belching out flames. People were frantic, searching for water, a ladder, anything. Someone remarked there was a lady who lived in that apartment who had mobility issues and she needed to be rescued now. And where the hell was the fire department? My roommate was quite disturbed by the whole scene, so we decided to go back to the front of the building, away from the fire. On our way, we saw a guy jump off his balcony to the ground. He rolled when he landed, but I think it still really hurt, judging from how he sat on the grass and groaned for a while. He was lucky to only be on the second floor. There was chaos, yelling, screaming, an odd mix of panic and disinterest, especially among the senior citizens who didn't want to leave the building because using the stairs was so difficult. The fire department arrived much quicker than they had ever before. Seeing as this was a real emergency and it wasn't long before elderly ladies in nightgowns were being rescued via ladders and wheeled off to the hospital next door. At one point, the man who lived below the apartment on fire had a screaming episode at one of the landlords, the one that looked like a walking skeleton with an oxygen tank and a scooter. By the time the fire department got everything under control, it was around 6 or 7 a.m. The sun was up and people were beginning their morning commute. 
The fire department had blocked off our whole street, which must have been a pain. And the entire population of my building sat on the curb in pajamas and blankets. Little kids, old people, broke college kids, the works. The community really pulled together that morning. The public bus service gave us a couple of buses to sit and warm up in instead of standing around the chilly sidewalk. Paramedics handed out blankets and assessed injuries. The people in the surrounding houses were kind enough to bring us water and snacks. One lady brought a serving tray with mugs of tea from her own kitchen and offered it to anyone she could find. My mom came down to rescue my roommate and I, even though she lived an hour outside of town and hadn't even showered yet. She brought us breakfast and a change of clothes as we didn't know when we'd be allowed back into the building. The most disturbing details of what had just taken place that morning came to us as we were waiting on the bus. Everyone was talking about the fire, of course, but one man had a particularly horrifying detail to add. He heard through the grapevine that the lady whose apartment caught fire never made it out of the building. Sadly, we suspected as much with her mobility issues and all, but there was more. The firefighters apparently found her in the hall. She had made it out of her apartment, but couldn't escape the smoke. Whether she died from smoke inhalation or from burns, we aren't sure. But one thing that man said that sticks with me is that someone said that as they stood outside and watched the flames, they heard the woman screaming, help me, I'm burning. I've always been afraid of burning to death. And the idea that my neighbor may have had such a horrifying end is deeply disturbing. I know the man who lives below her heard her screaming. He wouldn't stop talking about it. I think he ended up with a form of PTSD from this event, and I don't blame him. We were all brought to a community center where the fire department and emergency response volunteers helped bring some clarity to the situation and told us what to expect. Everyone was very kind and sympathetic to us. Whatever we needed, they provided for us. All of it is pretty standard procedure, but still, I was extremely thankful to the kindness of the volunteers, firefighters, paramedics, and good Samaritans. It was pretty surreal to be in a situation like that. We had almost nothing on us. My roommate hadn't thought to grab her phone, so she had to borrow mine to let her family know she was okay. We had no money no ID, none of the essentials, and we had no idea how long we would be homeless. I hadn't been so happy to have my mom with me in a long time. I felt like a scared little girl, even if I didn't show it. We were lucky. The fire happened on the opposite end of the building from us. Our unit was totally unaffected, and we were one of the few allowed back into our apartment the same day. The building stunk of smoke for weeks. Even though the fire took place on the fourth floor in a single apartment, the damage was extensive. Even on the ground floor, the walls were blackened with ash. When they attempted to start fixing up the building, they found asbestos in the walls. A few people were forced to move out of their apartments, and we're talking people who lived there for around 30 years. I remember the night we were allowed back into our apartment. I wanted to box up most of my important possessions and keep them in my car, as if I thought the building was going to catch fire again. My home didn't feel safe anymore, and it wouldn't for several weeks. It would take a long time for us to hear anything about what caused the fire. Last I heard, a space heater was to blame, but I don't know for sure.
In the days that followed, the fire was featured on the front page of the local paper. The family that lived just down the hall from us were featured in the picture. The article spelled out details that I had already heard. It labeled the guy that lived below the fire as a hero for attempting to save the lady upstairs. It was a valiant effort, but there was nothing he could have done without endangering himself. I feel sorry for him, and I often wonder if the guilt keeps him up at night. Sometimes I think about the lady who passed away in this building. I listen to a lot of ghost stories, so I wonder if her spirit haunts this place. Her sudden and horrifying death would be the sort of thing to make a ghost linger on earth, wouldn't it? So many things left unfinished. Regardless, I hope she's at peace, and I hope that my neighbors have been able to find some semblance of peace as well. Four months later, we've regained a sense of normalcy. Things are back to how they were before. If you ignore the orange tarps around the side of the exterior, the restoration vans that come and go every day, and security guards stationed in the lobby. The damage wing is still closed while they try to sort out the asbestos situation. But for those of us who live on the other end of the building, things are relatively normal. I hope they stay that way. The woman in the white dress. This happened just yesterday, so it's still fresh in my mind. I'm not quite sure what to think of it because it's so bizarre and unbelievable. I might have just been sleep deprived. So last night at maybe 2300 or 11 o'clock, I was walking around my block. My town is relatively safe, so I didn't feel in danger. Plus it was a pretty night. I've been walking around five minutes when a pale woman with blonde hair and a white dress caught my eye from across the street. She was about my height and looked to be around my age too. I didn't actually pay attention to her after I first noticed her. While I circled a block again, she was on the same street, a couple of feet in front of me. She was standing on the curb, staring at the cars passing by. It was a main road, so even that late at night, people were still driving on it. I said hello to her, and she turned her gaze to me. I couldn't see her face super well, but from what I think I saw, she had no pupils or color in her eyes. She just stared at me. After a while, I asked if she was okay. She didn't respond again and simply pointed at the road. I was really confused and didn't understand. Right as a red car started coming down the road, she stepped into the road. The car slammed into her and it was a bloody mess. The driver immediately stopped and jumped out. It was a man in his mid-twenties. We both spoke about it, freaked out. He called the police and went around the car to see the state of the girl. Once I circled around the car, she was gone. Not gone as in dead, gone as in she just wasn't there. The blood on the road was gone too, but not gone from his car. After the police arrived, they concluded that it was a big hoax of a kid who didn't know what they were talking about as some guy who went along with it. The blood on the truck was brought to the investigation only to be found as paint. Nothing else was put up about it. I'm still not sure if what happened was real. It felt so real, but I don't believe in the paranormal. I don't know what it was, if it was just a dream or if it was real but I remember it like it was. I feel like I can't leave the house now. I don't understand now and I kind of feel like I'm going crazy.
Has anyone else experienced something like this? Out of the dark. My first experience with the supernatural was one of the most terrible life experiences I can remember. It happened when I was young and dumb and wanted to go out to the world and explore. While I was out of my home country of Canada, I witnessed a horror I soon hoped to forget. I had gone on a trip with some of my buddies to Montana, just below my home province of Alberta. We were originally going to stay in Yellowstone National Park, but decided to head to Glacier National Park first before camping out at Yellowstone for a few days. We finally reached Glacier Park after a six-hour drive and had just enough time to do a little hiking before going to our hotel in the nearby town to rest and move on towards Yellowstone. We had gotten to the park around 4.30 and decided it was a great idea to hike after dark, so we hiked up the trail looking at the glorious views of rivers and waterfalls of the Avalanche Creek Trail. The light began to fade rather quickly while we were about two-thirds of the way up, and we had hiked into the trail about 10 kilometers, so it would take us about two hours to walk back down from that point. This is when everything goes downhill. Myself and my friends were all outdoorsmen and loved to go hiking and travel around the Rocky Mountains, but we were still inexperienced when it came to night hiking. Since the trail we were on wasn't as traveled at this part of the hike, the trail was hard to follow in the dark, although every now and then we would see a sign that notified us that we were going in the right direction. At some point, maybe a third of the way down the mountain, we ended up going off the trail following a little rabbit trail thinking that we were still on the correct path. We began to figure out that we were definitely not going the right way as my friend checked his compass showing we were heading deeper into the Rocky Mountains, miles and miles of forest. Then begins the mask panic. My friends and I immediately start turning around and begin walking the way we came, but the trail we were following didn't look the same as it had before, leading us to being even more lost than before. That is when we collectively notice how quiet it had gotten. No insects, no birds, nothing. It was dead silence. I knew this was a bad sign as I'm a hunter and when it gets quiet like this, it means there's a large predator around and that it's hunting. We had literally become prey to some unknown beast in the woods. We all began getting a sudden spike of anxiety and I let the guys know what was up. That's when we heard a noise that brought terror, a guttural howl from up the mountain. It was then followed by many more. My heart went into my throat and the terror I felt made me shake. Most of my friends did the same, all but two. The others had already dipped and began running in the opposite direction of the howls. We all followed soon after, running ourselves ragged until we looked behind and saw the eyes shine of something that was much larger than we anticipated. The eyes were at least six feet off the ground and moving towards us fast. That is when we split up running in random directions, hoping to lose these beasts. It was never going to happen. I could hear the breath of one of these things about 20 feet behind me and gaining. All of a sudden, my friend appears from the trees to my right. We end up running together until I cut from him, hoping to escape. I know I left him to die that night, but it was a last-ditch effort that worked out to my advantage. I heard the screams from my left. and ran as fast as I could away from them with tears rolling down my face as I heard his screams for help. I'm shrieking in pain, then nothing, 
as if he never existed. I continued running down the mountain until I saw a familiar sight ahead of me. It was one of the trail signs showing how far you were on the trail. I stopped checking where I was and started running again, hoping to get away from the creatures on the mountain. Another kilometer down the trail, I began hearing howls getting closer and closer by the moment, causing me to run even harder. Looking ahead, I saw the sign saying parking lot and zoomed past it in my panic, looking for the keys in my pocket and scrambling towards the only vehicle still left in the parking lot, my car. I used my fob to unlock my car from a distance and ran as hard as I could towards it, slamming to the side of my door, opening it, hopping in, and starting the car. I looked out of my window towards the trail entrance, and I saw two pairs of eyes staring at me just out of range of the lamp posts. They stared at me before disappearing back into the brush as I drove away, never looking back. I arrived at the ranger station by the park entrance and ran inside looking disheveled and terrified. I began telling the ranger at the desk what had happened. He looked at me with a sad face as if he knew something like this would happen and called up the search and rescue team to come help in the morning to look for them. They were never found. Sleep paralysis. Before I start, you've got to know I have a long history of multiple sleep paralysis ever since I was a child. I dare say multiple in a single night. I'm an 18-year-old male, and I moved out from my mother's home two years ago. I've been independent since then. I've been roommates with my uncle for a couple of months, but that's a different story. Anyway, this is going to be a little bit awkward given the fact that I was listening to scary stories while trying to fall back asleep after waking up at 5 a.m. While I was falling asleep with my headphones on, I started to realize that I had woken up, but my body couldn't move. Now, it was weird for me given the fact that I hadn't had any sleep paralysis for a very long time, but I knew what I was going through and my vision started to blur. My head felt heavy but I could still hear the voice coming out of my headphones narrating a story. A strange thing is that I somehow managed to move my hand and tried to take off my earbuds. As much as I tried, I couldn't take them off. It's as if they were glued to my ears. I somehow managed to get them off, but here's where it got freaky. I could still hear the voice. I touched my ears and checked if there were anything there. Nothing. I couldn't feel the earbuds at all. It was weird. Yelling at my uncle, calling his name to see if he could hear me. But every time I tried to yell, my voice got weak. It's as if instead of yelling, I was whispering in a loud way. That's when I started to see things like demons and deformed faces just staring at me and evilly smiling. I can't explain how they looked but they were flashing in the ceiling. Weird, right? Yeah, I know. As I sort of was freaking out, I literally did what any young kid would do. I hid under my blanket, not because I was very scared or frightened for my life, but to see if those faces would go away. They did. It doesn't end there, though. Here's what the most freaky and weird thing was. As my vision started to clear, I was able to move freely is when I realized I never even moved a muscle the whole time. I was going through sleep paralysis. 
It turns out I was hallucinating and imagining what I was actually moving and yelling. Like I've said, I've had experience with sleep paralysis for a long time. So I totally have experience on how to actually get out of it when it's a normal one, where you're just awake and can't move. Yeah, I know that's the whole point of one, but not all of them are hallucinations and imagining. This was one of the few paralysis where I hallucinated and imagined things. And like I said, I haven't had one in a year. I could say this is the most recent one. I know it's probably not that scary, but for those who have experienced sleep paralysis, they know how terrifying it could be and get. It takes a strong mind and soul to get out of one because you're literally struggling with yourself to be able to move and just come back to reality. For those who never experienced sleep paralysis in their life, I really hope you never do. Thank you for joining me today. I hope that you're fast asleep. <laughs>